You are listening to Gone But Never Forgotten. Our topics can include, but are not limited to, murder, sexual assault, graphic and gruesome details, and more. These topics are adult in nature and are not meant for everyone. Listener discretion is advised. In the early hours of August 8th, 1982, a pizza would be shared between a couple and a young lady at 2269 Rue Dorian in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. The young lady was living with the couple and helping them by babysitting their child at times. She was known as a rather reserved 19-year-old girl, and sharing in that pizza would be the last time that she would be seen alive. Was this a case of targeted kidnapping? Was there a case of mistaken identity? What happened in the wee hours of this day in 1982? To this day, everything surrounding this case is a mystery. Hello, and welcome to episode 38 of Gone But Never Forgotten, the missing persons case of Diane Belanger. gone but never forgotten. This week we return back to one of the key roots of GBNF and we'll be sharing a perplexing missing persons case that is still unsolved to this day. This was for you, certainly. I know that I've been taking us down the paths of serial killers and solved murders of late and you are always right there keeping me in check about what we started this podcast for. Your foot in my ass ensures that we get a good mix of cases and not just one or two different types of story. Of course these cases are no less sad and no less horrible. I just like knowing that there is the prospect that someone out there may hear this episode and remember something or finally feel inclined to tell someone something that they haven't for many years. Wouldn't you like to be the superhero that spearheads someone to solve a crime? Obviously I would. I think that this is the case for anyone who studies true crime and creates podcasts or what have you. So, before we jump into today's case, what's new with Julie? (laughs) Uh, Not too much. I know we've been working a lot on the podcast. I feel like almost every day we're doing stuff with the podcast. But, you know, summer's here, so it's been nice to have a mixture of podcasting, researching, sitting outside, enjoying the sun and all that. So, it's been pretty good. How about you? Yeah, I mean, I feel the same way, obviously, like so much research, but the cool thing is just, you know, there's never an end to it, and I do love doing this podcast, but like you said, with summer here, there's lots to look forward to, so hopefully all of you out there are also looking forward to your summer. Uh, We have a bunch of camping trips, and we're headed up to North Country here in Ontario later this year, and just lots of things to look forward to. Definitely. Well... It's that time again when I make sure that we get back on track and into the episode. What do you say we head to 1982 Quebec? 
how about you show off your French a little bit for the people and introduce the episode to get us started. Okay. Et maintenant, le mystère tragique de Diane Bélanger. Diane Belanger was a 19-year-old woman who had recently moved out of her family's home and moved in with her boyfriend's cousin, her partner, and their child for a period of time as she and her boyfriend looked for an apartment of their own. This was to be a short-term move, and Diane had kept in close contact with her parents and her siblings even after she had moved in with her boyfriend's cousin. The house that the four lived at was 2269 Rue Dorion in Montreal, Quebec. Part of the reason for Diane staying there was because she was helping the couple by babysitting their child from time to time. The home was a bright red brick townhouse and everything appeared to be in order. On the evening of August 7th, 1982, that is exactly what Diane was doing. Diane had stayed in to watch the baby for the couple, and the couple was out until the wee hours of August 8th. When they arrived back home, they brought pizza, and the three of them stayed up, chatted, and ate the pizza. It seems that while the three were having it, Diane did tell the couple that she had been seemingly followed by a man down Rue Dorian earlier in the day. It seemed that nobody thought too much of it, though. Soon after eating the pizza... As it was getting early in the morning, everyone headed to bed. Unfortunately, a few hours later, everything changed for those three people, for the home, and for everyone that knew Diane Belanger. The couple awoke and found Diane's purse on the floor of the living room, and the contents from inside the purse were scattered across the floor and the room. The couple also noticed that the screen door on the front door was cut open and torn apart. Perhaps the strangest discovery was that in the bathroom of the house, the couple found Diane's nightgown in the bathtub. According to the couple and the investigators after the fact, there was not a sign of struggle nor blood at all inside of the home. That is certainly a strange set of circumstances, to say the least. It sounds like someone broke into the family home, took Diane, and did all of that without too much or any struggle. Certainly strange. For sure. If you take a look at the neighborhood and the townhouse that this took place in, it certainly doesn't make sense how this happened. The neighborhood itself is very packed and everyone lives close together, and in these older homes, soundproofing was certainly not what it can be today. Not to mention, in the house itself, Diane would have been on the second floor of a triplex, and Diane and whomever was with her would have had to navigate down a circular exterior staircase. And nobody heard a sound. There was no struggle, no screaming, no fight. As we mentioned, there wasn't even signs of an altercation. This set of circumstances certainly baffles me. It's as if Diane would have to have willingly gone or something. I have a theory, but we have a lot more to cover before I can share it because details are coming still that lead me to think that way. We have a pretty crazy twist coming here, so brace yourselves. As investigators and family and friends tried to piece together what may have happened here, the usual thoughts of course came up. It was believed that Diane did not have the personality type to have just disappeared. She was a very shy young woman and she was fairly withdrawn when it came to most people. 
She was close essentially with her family and her boyfriend and his family, but that was about where it ended. Claudette Belanger, Diane's mom, was also adamant that her daughter would not have just left. She had recently been accepted to attend the Katimovic charity program, and she was also starting a new internship that she was excited about. Her life was coming together at the time that she went missing. The Katimovic is a program that offers young adults the opportunity to gain life skills and work experience while helping out with community development via volunteering and employment. The program was designed to help youth become caring and productive members of society to help make for a better Canada. A few days later, as part of the investigation, Detective Jean-Claude Rachon headed into the hospital where a woman had come onto his radar. It's unclear exactly how, but there was a good reason for this woman being a person of interest in the case. I feel inclined as the francophone on the show to let everyone know that Belanger was a very common surname in Quebec. It is unclear whether police thought that that was a weird coincidence and that is why they went to see Diane in hospital, or if she called, or how contact was made, but the end result is that investigators learned a few things. They learned that this Diane Belanger and the missing Diane Belanger lived within the same area of the city. But that wasn't all. This is part of that twist that Julie mentioned. Both Diane Belanger's had the same birthday. Month, day, and even year. How crazy is that? So, they had the same first name and last name. They had the same birthday. And they lived very close together. This has to be at least a little abnormal. I agree. What police found was that the Diane Belanger who was in the hospital had been living in fear on the evening into the wee hours from August 7th to August 8th. She told police that she was a sex worker and that there was someone within her network that was trying to kill her. She was in the hospital because she was recovering from a very severe beating. It doesn't seem that the reason that Diane was, or believed she was, being targeted was ever released. But Diane did have one more piece of information for investigators. She believed that Diane's body may be buried in Chertsey in La Nordiez, Quebec. She believed that the missing Diane Belanger may in fact have been taken, or killed, or both, and she believed that it was because the hit that was supposed to come for her may have come for the other Diane. This part comes across weird to me. I find it strange that she would just come out and say that the body's probably located in a certain place. Did she know that much about what someone planned to do with her body after killing her? What would make her suddenly jump so quickly to not only to murder, but to a place where the body might be found? Yeah, this is all really strange. In all, Detective Jean-Claude Rachon would interview 70 people about Diane's disappearance. News releases were sent out across Canada and that area that the other Diane mentioned was also searched. But Diane was not to be found then and she still has not been found to date. Another weird part of the investigation was that apparently investigators deemed that the screen door that was ripped was actually ripped from inside the house. This one confused me for a couple of reasons. One, 
because it's certainly strange that seemingly the only way that someone could have gained access was deemed to have been ripped from inside, not outside, the apartment. I also wondered how that wasn't then viewed as some kind of evidence of an altercation because, as we were told, there was no evidence of an altercation. Investigators also noted that a butter knife was missing from the apartment. Does that strike you as weird? Um, what do you mean? A butter knife was missing. If I asked you how many butter knives we have in the house right now, could you tell me? (laughs) I guess that's true. I don't know. Maybe I'm weird for thinking that way, but I don't think that I would know if someone stole a butter knife from our house. Detective Jean-Claude and Claudette, Diane's mom, actually became very close over the years, developing a friendship. They also arranged a few years after Diane's disappearance for an apartment next door to be searched while it went under construction. That included looking under the floorboards. The reason for that was that Claudette had been told by a psychic that there that was where she would find Diane's remains. I feel so badly for people in these situations, obviously, but sadly, there are people that will prey on family members when a thing like this happens. Certainly. I don't mean to disparage all psychics, because I actually believe very much in those kind of things. But there are many people that claim to be something that they are not, and I think that oftentimes it can give families something else to obsess upon when they get a message from a psychic. I would be the exact same way, sadly. I would look for anyone to give me some kind of answers, and I would be trying to follow up and follow through on absolutely everything. It's really sad to see. Investigators would find no remains in that apartment, and they actually didn't find any evidence that Diane had ever been there at all. Over the years, hope and work have not stopped within this case. There was even a point in time when investigators did a truck campaign and a truck blitz. That means that Diane's missing poster was pasted onto the back of transport trucks with information, her photo, and who to contact if anyone knew anything. Hope has not been given up over the years. Hope that Diane will be found. Hope that Diane's remains will be found also if that is to be the case. The family wants to give her a proper burial and a dignified end to her story. I don't think that is too much to ask. At the time of Diane Belanger's disappearance, she was five foot two, weighed approximately 130 pounds, and had long, dark auburn hair, which was curly. Diane had brown eyes. It is believed that at the time she went missing, she would have been wearing her glasses and a brown dress. If you know anything about what happened to Diane Belanger, please contact the Montreal Police at 514-393-1133. Or online, you can go to www.infocrimemontreal.ca. This is another one of those cases where it's just strange, don't you agree? I think it's definitely strange. And like, I mean, I don't know if we know for sure that that theory that this second Diane or whatever said. But if it is, I find that absolutely tragic. Like this person did nothing, you know, and she was so young. It seemed like she was a good person. I don't know. I have so many questions because there's not actually a solid theory here. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but like, what's your theory on this one? You said at the beginning you had an idea. So do you care to share it with us now? Sure. There's a couple of parts to it. So first, 
I found the, the, the purse that was strewn across the apartment to be interesting. Um, you know, like, if you're kind of looking to steal from someone's purse in a robbery, you don't tend to, like, dump everything out and scatter it across the floor. Mm-hmm. It's kind of in one spot, right? You're looking for money or jewelry or something like that. Yeah. So that caught me a little bit. You can almost see... Let's go with the case of the fact that there was two Diane Belanger's. So you can almost see this person or people who came into the apartment saying, like, well, you're Diane Belanger. And she's like, yes, but, you know, whatever. But, like, she tries to prove who she is, but she pulls out this ID maybe from the purse. And, like, there's her first name. Yeah. There's her last name. There's her birthday. It's all the same. So if they were looking for this other Diane that was in the hospital, you know, unfortunately, she wasn't going to come up with the proof that she wasn't who they were looking for. Yeah. So you can see her saying, I'm not the person you're looking for. She gets the purse or the perpetrator gets the purse to check. And, you know, like I said, all the information's the same. So the second part of that really is, would, is it possible that the other Diane Belanger could have sold her out to save her ass? You know, there was nothing on this. I don't know if the police investigated this. I mean... I'm just a layman. I'm not trained in investigative anything. But to me, it's like, okay, so this other lady in the hospital, she got beat up. She knew that someone was probably coming to kill her. If that's true, maybe somehow she got, she floated the address of the other lady or, you know, someone. She got someone else to float the address of the other lady and say like, oh yeah, this is where she lives. If you want to get her, this is where you go. Yeah, yeah. You know, because... If you're a hitman or whatever, you're out there, you know, the pimp or someone in that network with drugs and stuff hires you, maybe they don't know where you live. That's but, like, true. it's like, I need you to kill Diane Belanger and get rid of the body. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, maybe that's how the Diane in the hospital knew where the body was going to go. You know, everything's fishy, but it's almost like I can piece it together. Like, you know, this other Diane Belanger is probably still out there. So I'm sorry, I'm not trying to incriminate you here. But I like to try to piece together the information that I have and try to come up with some kind of a theory. And that's the thing. That's what I see here. Maybe, you know, she... I don't know. I mean, the whole thing is really weird. Like, not even the fact that, you know, one person was taken or killed or whatever you want uh, by accident, but also just the fact that they had the same name, the same birthday, they lived in the same vicinity. Like, I think that is all really weird. And I wonder if the Diane Belanger, who was a sex worker, did she change her name or whatever? Like, what happened? Like, there has to be a reason why that's so coincidental. Like, there's no way you're born on the same day and the parents of essentially both these people named their kid both Diane Belanger. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say there's no chance. Well, it's I'm, weird. It, it's, it's definitely, weird. it's strange. But I mean, there's, you know, I said earlier, Belanger is very common in Quebec. Yes, yes. So like, this would be like finding out that a John Smith lived near another John Smith. But with Don't the same me, birthday? Right, okay, I get that. The birthday thing is like messed up. But again, okay, now you're making me think more. What you said, the name change and stuff. Maybe her name wasn't Diane Belanger and she changed her name to hit this woman. Yeah. I don't know. Like, But and now we're getting like I way know. outside the box. But even more so now, even just going into like a totally different direction, what did Diane Belanger, the sex worker, do that made someone need to come after her? 
you know? Well, I mean, when you're when you're a sex worker, you're you know. I think I read that she was into drugs and stuff. Like she was yeah. involved with the wrong people. Yeah. You know, yeah. like. So. I know this episode is really weird and this is why I'm really happy that you chose to do this one today as we get back into missing persons cases a little bit because this one is exactly the reason why we do this. There's not a lot of information, there's not a lot of concrete information here and this can kind of put it out there again and maybe get some minds racing or remembering yep. some things or realizing that there's not information here and if you know something that is even just a little bit and you think it's very insignificant, it actually could be a really big piece of the puzzle at this point in time. Right. So like, let's be honest, you know, getting back to what we were saying about hopefully helping solve a case. A hundred percent. It doesn't look like Diane Belanger or Diane, as you say, as the francophone. Um, she doesn't look like she was a kind of person or her life was in a place where she would want to escape or run away. Mm -hmm. She was yeah. making moves. She wanted to move in with her boyfriend, you know, like she stayed in touch with everyone. She had major things coming in her life. So someone out there knows what happened here. I don't know who you are. I don't know where you are, but somebody went into that apartment one way or another, I'd say, and took Diane with them. Yeah. Where is she? Where'd she go? What happened that night? What happened after that? Is she still alive? Is she dead? Let's get some answers. Well, yeah, we definitely want answers and justice for Diane Belanger and her family. But also, I think we want, um, you know, punishment for the person who did this, you know, because you don't just get to go and kidnap people or kill people and still be roaming the streets. Yep, exactly. You know, so let's bring justice and answers to this case. Um, and if you have any information, please reach out to the police in your area. And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next week with another really great, amazing case. So remember to be better and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Gone But Never Forgotten.